This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. This is Case Closed, your weekly hour of old-time radio crime, which you can find every Wednesday at relicradio.com. Our first story this week comes from the Crime Club. You'll hear Fish for Entree from September 11th, 1947. After that, it's Let George Do It, the January 9th, 1950 episode titled The Silent Waterfall. Hello, I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the Crime Club. I'm the librarian. Fish for entree. Yes, we have that story for you. Come right over. chair by the window. Comfortable? The manuscript is on this shelf. Here it is, Fish for Entree, the very unusual story of a fishing expedition that was foul with murder. Let's look at it under the reading lamp. Being the son of the local chief of police never kept Barney Crawford from doing anything that was normal. Example... Well, Barney loved to go fishing. It was late one bright sunny morning, and far out on the bay in a rowboat that was being rocked by the choppy water, Barney Crawford was holding a line, and Janice Turner, his fiancée, was just about holding her own. Mm, what a day. Yes. Why are they, Barney? Who, Janice? The fish. Oh, What's the matter, dear? You look green. I feel green. Well, why didn't you say so? I was trying to be very brave, Barney. Nonsense. I'll pull in my line and we'll get back to shore. Thank you, dear. I'll have it up in a... Wait a minute. I don't know if I can. Something's on to the catch. Can't you shake it loose? I'd rather not look at a fish right now. After sitting here all morning. Wow, it must be a whale. Look at the way the rod is bent. Would you mind if I didn't? Lucky I brought out the heavy equipment. Just a few more seconds, Janice, and I'll have him. I'll hold everything. I'm trying to, Barney. Easy does it. Easy. I've got to be careful. He doesn't snap the rod. Uh, he's not fighting now. But when I get him to the surface, you'll see a battle. Some fish waiting to let... He's breaking water. Don't look, Janice. It's a body. It's the body of a man. We're going back to shore and call my father. He'll want to know about this. Take Janice away from here. This is no place. I'm for... not going, Chief. Now see here, I'm Janice. I'm not going. You see what I mean, Dad? Yeah, she's your woman, son. Chief, Chief Crawford. Now what is it, Bailey? The coroner's finished. He says the guy was killed by two bullets in the back of the neck. I saw that for myself. How long has he been dead? About three days. Three days, huh? Who was he? I didn't check him for identification, sir. I thought you might. Want all right, it. all right. I'll do it. Let's go. Janice, that was no invitation to us. But I'm accepting it anyhow, Barney. Do you have to see everything? Now, you make a list, Bailey. I'll check his pockets. Okay, Chief. You ready? Yep. Chewing gum. Some cigarettes. Toothpicks. It's all in this pocket. Now, let's see. Nothing in the other. Now, the inside pocket. Hello, what's this? 
Johnny, it's a dead fish. Yeah, Bailey, throw it back in the water. Okay, Chief. Now, let's see what else there is. Hmm, card. Press card. Dad, that fellow must have been a newspaper man. Uh you don't say. Well, what I mean is... Janice, take him away before he solves this case. Oh, now, look here, Dad. Now, look, I'm too busy. Three days in the water's washed up all the writing off this card and the name, too. Bailey. Yeah? What do you know about a newspaper man who disappeared three days ago? A newspaper man? Check with missing persons when you get back to headquarters. A newspaper man. There was a call a couple of days ago from a family of a certain Cal Foster. Cal Foster, the Daily Register reporter? That's the one, Barney. You know anything about him, Barney? Well, he was a byline writer, Dad. He was working on a series exposing rackets. Sure, I remember him. If that's the body of Cal Foster, then I've got a hunch. Yeah. All right, Bailey, get me pictures right away. I'm going to take one up to Sam Saliver, the publisher of the Daily Register. Maybe he can tell us what we ought to know. Mr. Saliver, do you recognize the man in this picture? Yes, why, well, certainly. That's Cal Forster, one of... But Chief Crawford, he looks dead. He is. He was murdered. What? My son Barney and Miss Turner here fished him out of the bay this morning. Good Lord, he was my best reporter. He was... Yes? You're going to find his killer, Chief Crawford. This is one crime that's not going to go unsolved. Name the one crime in this town we didn't clear up, Mr. Salah. I'm not going to argue with you. I want action. This paper's been fighting crime for months, exposing rackets, helping to bring criminals to justice. Well, we know all about it. Cal Foster was doing the job with my support. Every racket in this state involving... Dad, uh, would you mind if I asked Mr. Salah one question? Barney, now... Oh, just one, Dad. It might help you. All right. Thanks. Mr. Salva, what was Cal Foster working on three days ago? I don't know. But you're his publisher. Cal never talked about what he was going to write until he was ready to write it. Oh, then he was about to begin a new series, huh? I think so, but just what it was going to be... Well, this may sound strange to you, uh, Chief Crawford, but I seldom saw Cal. He did all his work away from the office. When he came in, it was to get my approval of something he wanted me to run. Last time I saw him was two weeks ago. What did he bring in then? The astrology racket. Mr. Saliver. I'm sorry I busted in, Mr. Saliver, but I just heard a rumor about Cal. Cal Foster. Is it true? Who are you, miss? I'm Ann Brewster. I run the woman's column for this paper. Cal Foster and I are engaged to be married. Anything else you'd like to know? Maybe. Then you can send me a letter. I give out all kinds of advice and information. Now, Mr. Saliver... And that's Chief of Police Crawford and... Those two people with Police. Him. Then, then it's true Cal's dead. They told me he was murdered. Murdered? <laughs> oh. Janice, see what you can do. Oh, don't be foolish, Barney. There's nothing anyone can do at a time like this. I... I was coming out of my office when I met one of the reporters. He told me he was going down to the bay, something about Cal having drowned. I didn't believe him. He was shot twice in the back of the neck. Now, would you know... Would I know what? Who killed him? Well, Chief, your guess is as good as mine. Cal was a racket buster. He exposed a lot of rackets. But... Yes, and that... Who are you? Janice Turner. I'm his, Barney's. Were you with the police? Well, I'm sort of engaged to... Excuse me. I'll keep my mouth shut from now on. See that you do. There's one thing I can tell you, Chief Crawford. What's that? Every gangster in this state was out to get Cal. I begged him to give up his job and go away with me. And... Cal wouldn't do it. Why, only four days ago... The last time I ever saw him, he, he was all set to break a new story, another racket. What about? He didn't tell me, Chief Crawford. But he did say it was going to be the biggest thing that ever hit this town. 
And he mentioned names. Oh. The first time he ever did it before publication. I think he was frightened. He didn't say so. Whose but... names did he mention, Miss Brewster? Tony Crowton, the gang leader, and Lon Fairbanks. The nightclub owner? Yes. But he didn't tell you uh, what he found out about them? I said he didn't. All right. I thought maybe you'd forget yourself and remember. Chief Crawford, do you think I've lied to you? I'll let you know when I'm ready. Come on, Barney. Janice. Uh, uh, there's just one question I'd like to ask Miss Brewster, Dad. She doesn't have to answer it unless I ask it, Barney. I'll take that chance. Uh, did Cal Foster keep any notes, or did he write from memory? He kept notes, but I never saw them. Thanks. I'm ready, Dad. Then we don't have to waste any more time, do we? think that girl was lying. Goodbye, Janet. Chief, it's a nice day. Now, why don't you and Bonnie take a walk in the park? Where are you going, Dad? Tony Croton. Well? Nothing doing now. You're going for a walk in the park. But, Dad, we found... Now, look, son, would you mind if I did a police job all by myself? Well, you're not being fair, Dad. Don't tell your mother. See you at dinner. Tony Croton doesn't turn out to be too tough. Yeah, maybe. What do you mean, Bonnie? We found Cal Forster's body, and we're going to find out who killed him. Oh? Have you got an idea? Mm-hmm. Those notes he kept. What was in them that made him dangerous enough to kill? Oh, darling, aren't you assuming too much? Am I? Cal Foster wasn't killed by someone who didn't know what he was going to write about. No. Whoever killed him must have had a motive. Cal, in one of his published stories, stepped on somebody's toes. And that and... somebody got mad and boom. Let's walk away from here. I've got a theory about that girl, Ann Brewster. You think she's that somebody? She knows. And that act she put in inside Mr. Salver's office. Your father didn't fall for it. Well, maybe he didn't. But I'd like to see those notes anyway. Come on, we're going to Cal Foster's apartment. Imagine the son of a police chief picking a lock. Janice, please. And with a hairpin, just like for a rabbit. For Pete's sake, will you lower your voice? The neighbors... Yes, dear, I'll shut up. Why, Barney, you did that job like an expert. Let's get inside. Oh, my. Somebody's been here. You think maybe it was a hurricane? At least. Now what do we do? Let's go for that walk in the park. No, let's not. Somebody was looking for those notes. It couldn't be that someone was looking for something else, could it, Barney? Hmm? I've just had a brand new idea. Suppose Cal Foster and his girlfriend, Ann Brewster... You don't like that girl, Suppose do you? they were running a cute little blackmail racket. Janice. Cal Foster dug up a lot of dirt about dirty people. Whoever paid off was left alone. Whoever didn't was plastered in a newspaper column. Is that why Ann Brewster told Dad about Tony Croton and Lon Fairbanks? Exactly. Fall guys, you know. And the real killers, the ones Cal and she have been blackmailing... Right on blackmailing, eh? Sure. Fooey. Let's look for those notes. Now, if I wanted to hide some papers my life depended on, where would I put them? In your hat. Janice. All right, dear, torture yourself. Where would I... Of course. I'm so glad. In my hat. What? My top hat. Let's see if Cal Forster owned one. Oh, now listen, Bonnie, I was only kidding. After all, dear. After all, darling, look on the shelf in this closet. It doesn't prove a thing. You're just saying that because you're licked. Now, if this lining comes out without any Bonnie. trouble... Well, dear... <laughs> Shut up. You don't have to be so proud of yourself. Here's a handful, darling. Laughter all if it hadn't been for me. What did you say? A handful of papers, Janice. Look through them. I'll read these. What's the matter? Proof. Right on this top page. The names of Tony Croton and Lon Fairbanks. What does it say about them? Engaged in a racket of international scope. Good heavens. What kind of a racket? I don't know yet. 
The pages are not in order. They're not even numbered. Oh, what a job we're going to have. Why don't we turn it over to your father? Later, later. Spread all your papers on the table. I'll do the same with mine. What good will that do? Come on, let's get moving. Just a minute, Barney. What now, darling? Here are some pages clipped together like a manuscript. Janice, do you know what this is? You want me to guess? It's a carbon copy of the first installment. What first installment? Cal Forster's about the racket he was investigating. Oh. Then the story was ready for publication. You bet it was. And that's why he was murdered. But there's not a thing in here about the racket itself. Isn't there even a hint, a slight hint? Well, just a reference to a fishing expedition that just should start the nation. A fishing expedition? Barney? Yeah, I know what you're thinking. That fish dead found in California's park. It meant something. Ridiculous, a freak. Well, just between you and me, I never heard of a fish getting lost. Cal Forster could have meant anything by a fishing expedition. It's a very common expression. Yeah, hmm? very common. Huh? Barney. Don't tell me you're glad to see me. I won't believe it. Where did you come from? The bedroom. You ought to take a few lessons in snooping, pal. What? Lesson number one. When you break into somebody's apartment, always look in every room. You mean you're the yeah, one that... Yeah, I'm the guy that messed up this place. But you're the guy who found what I was looking for. And we're going to keep them, Mr. Croton. Oh, you know me, huh? I've seen your pictures in the papers. I look better in person, don't I? <laughs> well, if you want my frank opinion... Table I... it. And do the same thing with those papers. Now, listen, Tony. Do it, Mr. Barney. Don't prompt me, Janice. I see that gun, too. All right. I'm clear. So am I. You don't mind if I say me, too, do you? That's your privilege, Mr. Croton. Thanks. Me, too. And now, me and the papers will take a walk. <laughs> What's so funny about it? I'd tell you if it'd do you any good, but I know it won't. Try it anyway. Okay. I get the evidence, and you get the works. Will you please be not quite so technical? I'm gonna kill you, baby. <gasps> you wanted a note, didn't you? Hey, mister, where are you going? Taking a walk. Get away from that door. Not to the door I want, Tony. The light switch. Hey, get down, Travis. I'm going... <laughs> Janice! Janice! <sighs> Janice! Oh, darling! You feel better now? A little. The next time you tell me to well, get it's down... It's not my fault you hit your head against the table. It's not your head either. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyhow, you falling down saved our lives. Croton must have thought he killed you. You mean you let him get away? Now, look, dear, he had the gun. And I thought you had him tied up in the other room. And you, the son of a police chief. Maybe I'd better tell Dad about well, this. Well, it's about time. And when you get through talking to Operator, him... give me police headquarters. You can call up that man that publishes the Daily Register. What's his name? Sam Salivar. Uh, hello, police headquarters. Let me talk to Chief Crawford, please. Uh, son, I'll wait. Now, Janice, what about Sam Salivar? Tell him what Tony Croton did, and then tried to do to us. Make him splash it all over the front page. All right, dear. Uh, uh, hello? Uh-huh. He did, huh? Thanks. Goodbye. Dad went out a few minutes ago. He didn't say where. Well, of all... Why didn't you tell somebody at police headquarters what happened to us? Hmm? They're all policemen down there, you know. Oh, I didn't think of that. I'll call right back. Wait a minute. Of course, but will Tony Croton wait? He's getting away. Hey, wait a minute. This paper under the table. It must have... Well, it did, Janice. 
I'm tickled to death. Some of Cal Foster's notes must have dropped out of Tony's hand. I've got too much of a headache to care, Barney. Mm, there's a woman in this case, Janice. A woman? Mm-hmm. What's her name? Winnie Roberts. Oh. And here's something strange. After a name, Cal Foster typed in Lon Fairbanks via Bayshore. Whatever that means. Lon Fairbanks. Let's go down to his nightclub and find out. Barney, the police in this town are still being paid. Come on, Janice. I've got an idea. And I've got a headache. But all right. Ah, good evening, Monsieur Crawford. It is always a pleasure to welcome such a distinguished summer. I'm here too, Henri. Oh, but of course, Mademoiselle Turner. For you, I uh, step this way. One well, last thing, Henri. No. As but a matter what? of fact, we only stopped in to see Winnie Roberts. Winnie Roberts? Mm-hmm. Is it a reservation? No, it's an entertainer in the floor show. In the... Oh, but Mademoiselle, there is no such lady in our floor show. Are you sure? How could I be otherwise? I know every charming lady in this establishment, and they are all charming. I see. Well, suppose we say hello to Lon Fairbanks, huh? Of course. You'll be most happy. You'll find him in your piece. Thanks, Henry. You and your ideas. Barney Crawford, do you realize we've been on the go since this morning? Mm-hmm. Has it occurred to you that I might be tired? Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I feel so much better now. Come on, we're not going to be polite. Now, look here, Lon. Come in quick and shut the door. Stay right there, Janice, and don't move. You don't have to worry about that. I won't even look. He's dead, all right. Two bullet holes in the back of the neck. All right, Henry, all right. Now, never mind the hysterics. But, Chief Crawford, I cannot believe it. Uh, Monsieur Fairbanks... You said you didn't leave this club all evening. Oui, monsieur. How come you didn't hear the shots? But I have told you, it is possible the orchestra was playing. When that is going on, it is impossible to hear anything else. Sloppy excuse. I do not lie, monsieur. No, and you didn't see anyone going into this office either. I did not say that. What? You did not ask me. A very excited young lady inquired for Monsieur Fairbanks. I told her she marched into the office exactly here. Oh, Chief. What is it, Janice? That sounds like it might have been Ann Brewster. Yeah. Say, Bailey. Yeah? Send out an alarm for Ann Brewster, columnist for the Daily Register. Do it right away. Right away, Chief. You go with him, Janice. Hmm? And take Barney with you. For Pete's sake, Dad. For my sake. This is not amateur night. Henri? Oui? Where does that back door lead to? Uh, oh, that, monsieur, leads to a driveway. The door was used by Monsieur Fairbanks as a private entrance. Can we go out that way, Chief? Any way you like, Janice. All right, Barney. Why the back door? It's quicker, and I've got things to say to you that can't wait. What have I done? You don't listen to me. When I say... Hey, what's that over there? Delivery entrance to the club. Now, Janice... Let's walk toward the street. There's a man in that truck I don't want him to hear. Hear what? Bonnie Crawford. When I say to you that Ann Brewster knows who killed Cal Foster, I know what I'm talking about. Is that all you wanted to tell me? She killed him. What? She's Winnie Roberts. But, Jim... Don't interrupt me. I've got a new theory. Oh, well... Ann Brewster, as Winnie Roberts, was mixed up in this racket that Cal Foster was investigating. Ann found out that Cal was ready to break the thing wide open, so she killed him. Lon Fairbanks, too? Of course. You heard what Henri said. A woman. Now we'll have to find the reason. For what? Why she killed Lon Fairbanks. Don't you know, Janice? Oh, how would I... These drivers. It's that truck. Wants to get to the street. Come on, let's get out of the way. Well, Barney, what do you think? 
Darling, I know it smells bad here, but I'm talking to you. Fish. That's what that truck was unloading. Do you think I care? You should. You can build a brand new theory around that truck and the fish. What are you talking about? Winnie Roberts. Let's go for a drive. Where to? Bayshore, on a fishing expedition of our own. Barney, have you gone out of your mind? Not tonight, Janice. Let's get out. But this is the Bayshore Boat Club. Out, honey. All right. But since when does anyone live at a boat club? Anyone doesn't. But you said... Yes, dear. This is where Winnie Roberts is hiding out. I wish I knew what you were talking about. You will. Janice, darling, have you ever seen such a beautiful moon? I'm not in the mood. Why did you... Stop dragging me toward the water. Can I help it if I want you in a rowboat? Hmm? There's one side of the pier. Come on, let's get in. And forget all about life and people. Romance at a time like this. Oh, we've had a tough day, sweetheart. We should be looking for Ann Brewster, that killer. Oh, why worry about her? Because she's Winnie Roberts, and she knows all about the racket. Yeah, we're free. Now, down to the sea in a rowboat. Whatever that racket is, it must be something... I'm sure it is, dear. Something out of this world terrible. Of course. I don't get you at all, Barney. You spend a whole day digging for information. You almost get us killed by Tony Croton, and now all of a sudden you don't... That's me, honey. Unpredictable Barney. (laughs) Do you think I ought to stop talking, dear? I think you ought to look in back of you. Hmm? Just look. And then you can stop talking if you want to. Look at that moon again. Barney. Yes, dear? Yeah, it's Winnie Roberts. Beautiful, isn't she? Why didn't you tell me? I didn't know, Janice. I was just playing a hunch. You mean... Shh, shh, shh. You're pulling up alongside Winnie. You don't want to wake her up, do you? Bonnie, are you thinking of going on board? Why not? The lights are out. On this side, but all boats have two sides, darling. And on the other side... Shall we find out? No. All right, you stay here. I'll climb up this ladder and do this whole job myself. Bonnie, listen to Goodbye, me. Goodbye, dear. If I'm not back by morning, don't wait for me. By morning? That's right, sweetheart. Have breakfast. <laughs> How do you know that man on deck was sleeping? He was snoring. How do you know he wasn't fooling? Fish. Bonnie. We're getting close. What are you doing? I'm lighting a match. Look, Janice. Steel door. Bonnie, I'm frightened. Hold the match. I'm going to see if that door can be opened. (laughs) For Pete's sake, Janice, what a time to cough. Oh, that odor of fish. Well, bring the match over here. Aha. A light switch. If anyone should see that light, Barney, There's no one down here. Come on, watch your step. (laughs) Put a handkerchief over your nose. That smell's going to get worse. We're going into the hold of the ship. Oh, the things that happened to me. Barney. Yes? Are all those barrels loaded with fish? I don't know, but I... Yes, Janice, they are. Dead fish. And we've got nothing to worry about, have we? Not a thing. I'm so glad. But the next time anyone talks to me about fish, even lobster thermidor, I'll... Bonnie, what are you doing? Squeezing a fish. Oh, for heaven's sakes, do you have to? Uh Uh-huh. Look what's popped into his mouth. Not now, please, dear. I'm too busy trying to stay conscious. It's a package, darling. See? Paper, oil skin, and 
Look, a white powder. What? A white powder, Janice. What Count Forster meant by a fishing expedition that would startle the nation. I don't follow you, Barney. Well, this powder's a narcotic. Every fish down here is stuffed with one of these packages. I see. And Cal Foster was killed because he was about to expose a narcotics ring that Tony Croton was operating. Barney. We're on our way, Janice. The boat's moving. Yeah. <gasps> Tony Croton. Yeah. I thought I killed you two. But it's all the same now. What's a few hours among friends, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Get in there. Tony, what would you look like without that gun, eh? Not so good. Get in. You too, sister. Oh. Company. You know Ann Brewster? Of course we do. <laughs> well, Barney, what did I tell you? Yeah. You don't have to be so glum about it just because I happen to be right. Right about what, Miss Turner? You killed Cal Foster in Lawn Fairbanks. You're the mastermind of this racket and... Tell her she's crazy, Tony. Okay, then I'll tell her. I'm handcuffed to this chair. If you don't believe it, walk behind me. That's true, Miss Turner. Mr. Salver. Good evening. What did you find them, Tony? In the hold, boss, with the fish. With the fish? <laughs> what goes with fish? Wine. I wasn't expecting you, Mr. Crawford, but since you're here and I've gone to the trouble of getting this bottle from the other room... He's going to kill us. But not without kindness, my dear Anne. You murdered Cal. Naturally. He was treading on my toes. Come, let's have a drink, and then we'll go fishing. With them as bait, huh, Sam? Open the bottle, Tony. Sure. How did they get you on here, Ann? Mr. Salover did. He told me about the Winnie Roberts. I, like a fool, didn't go to the police. I was going to solve Cal's murder just all as... by myself. Well, just as I thought. I was never quite sure how much you knew, Anne, about my business. Well, we know a lot now, Mr. Sullivan. Yes, Mr. Crawford, but what good will it do you? Well, you never can tell. Hey! I've got the gun now. Tony, you did I didn't see him coming, Sam. You told me to open a bottle of wine. I had to put the gun down on the table. Don't be angry with him, Mr. Salover. He might have holes in his pocket. Shut up, Miss Turner. Why, Mr. Salover, every newspaper publisher invites comment from the people. Salover? You've ordered your skipper to stop the boat. Of course. Hello? Salover speaking. Full steam ahead. Barney, he's double-crossing us. What did you expect, Miss Turner? Give the order, Salover. You're going with me, Mr. Crawford. And shooting me won't help you. I've got a dozen men above, not to mention... Give the order, Salover. Police boat, Sam! My father's a great guy. Don't you think so, Janice? I certainly do, Barney. You never know what he's got figured out. He just doesn't talk, except to Mom. <laughs> Again, darling. Say goodnight to Barney. But why did Sam Salover kill Lon Fairbanks, too? He was clearing the decks. What? After Cal Forster found out what was going on, Salover got worried. He didn't know where Cal got the information. Then Tony Croton might have been next. He was. Salover was taking no chances. But how did he find out what Cal Forster knew, after Remember all? Remember that carbon copy of the first installment? Yeah. Where was the original? Hmm? Barney. Cal Foster had given it to Sam Salver for publication. Hey, but didn't he know? Maybe he did. Maybe he wanted to see what Salver would do. 
You can tell. Yes. Anyway, you expose the racket. Anne's going to write the whole series on the Foster's byline. And I thought... Yes, dear. But please don't think about it now. Barney's tired. so closes tonight's story, Fish for Entree. Stedman Coles wrote the radio script, Roger Bauer produced and directed, Walter Kinsella played Barney Crawford, Virginia Dwyer was Janice Turner, Bill Smith was Chief Crawford, Reese Taylor was heard as Sam Saliver, Julie Stevens was Ann Brewster, Paul Hammond played Tony Croton, and Barry Thompson was Henri. Oh, uh, I beg your pardon. Hello? I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is the crime club. I'm the librarian. Yes, come over a week from tonight. Good. We have the very intriguing story of a two-time that was double-quick with murder. It's called A Frame for Murder. In the meantime... Well, in the meantime, there is a new Crime Club book available this week and every week at bookstores everywhere. Yes, it's available now. Fine. And we'll look for you next week. came from New York. Be sure to stay tuned now for that mystery pack broadcast, Quiet Please, which follows in just a moment. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Personal notice, danger's my stock and trade. If the job's too tough for you to handle, you got a job for me, George Valentine. Write full details. Standard Oil Company of California, on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations throughout the West, invite you to Let George Do It. The Silent Waterfall, another adventure of George Valentine. Listen to this, George. Dear Mr. Valentine... My name is Dora Duncan. I need your help desperately. I don't know any hey, man hey, that hey, I... Hey, wait a minute, Brooksy. When did that letter come? Just now. Yeah, but the mailman was here an hour ago. Oh, well, she brought it herself, George. What? She's out there in the waiting room now. You know, the deep, dark problem type. Write the note so she won't have to confide her secrets to the underlings. Well, didn't you explain your lofty status in this menagerie? Yeah, she's like a duchess imitating 
Greta Garbo, George. So I just opened her note instead. <laughs> okay, what else is in it? Um, I don't know any men that I can trust. I don't know any man to turn to. Uh -huh. Will you please, please come to my home this evening at 8 o'clock? I live in the country. Waterfall House on South River Road, signed Dora Duncan. Yeah, sounds anxious. Well... It sounds fishy. Come here, George. I left the other door open. There. You can see her through there. Oh. <laughs> you mean you can't quite swallow that I-don't-know-any-men routine? Oh, well, she could use a little more makeup. But... Makeup would only get in the way, Angel. George, she's not that good-looking. That mink coat she's wearing is real, so she must be wealthy enough. She has job first on underneath, Angel. Maybe she's only attractive to horses. Uh-oh, she's looking at me. Well, let's go. Watch your step, pony boy. Uh, Miss Duncan, I'm George Valentine. Now, why are you so anxious to have someone at your house tonight? I mean, couldn't you explain it a little more? <laughs> yeah, well, now, look, Miss Duncan, Miss Brooks here is my assistant. You can say anything you want to in front of her. You can... You can... George. You understand me, Miss Duncan? She's nodding her head. Yeah, but she can't hear. She can't speak either. Oh, George, it never even occurred to me that... Wait a minute. She wants to write. Here's a pencil. Here. I can read your lips. I could read them through the open door in the other office, too. Mr. Valentine, I wouldn't, for one instant, consider troubling you. Oh, now, wait a minute, Miss Duncan. George, stop her. Look, look here. I, I'm sorry. We didn't mean anything. Now, don't turn away. Watch me. Watch my lips. I said I'm sorry. Miss Duncan, you shouldn't be so touchy. Of course we'll be there tonight. I said we'll be there. Eight o'clock. Do you understand me? Do you? George. She kissed you. Yeah. And she'd been crying. Well, come in. Come on in before the house blows down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm her sister. I'm Cynthia. Here, I'll take your coat, Miss Brooks. Oh, thanks. Okay, there we go. Oh, oh boy, look at that fireplace. <laughs> well, help yourself. She'll be down, I guess. The maid says she's dressing tonight. That's because I have a suit on. What's that? Huh? <laughs> She'll be down. That's her music, you hear. Drums. Plays a stack of drum records on a phonograph all the time. Says she can feel the rhythm of it. You want a drink? Drum buoy, maybe? Drum buoy. <laughs> no, no, thanks. Uh, say, this is quite a place, isn't it? I guess so. I will. Somebody's a hunter. All the trophies and the guns hanging on the wall. My father. He's dead, though. She likes it, too. He used to take her riding and fishing with him all the time. Tell me, Cynthia, has your sister always been the way she is? No, Mr. Valentine. Dora lost her hearing from an accident when she was 13 years old. Oh, but then her speech shouldn't have been... Oh, that was part of it. She was in bed for more than a year. It was one of those mental things, too. The doctor said she was forgetting how. But she can hear and talk a little now if she wants to. I see. She, she used to have a beautiful voice, and now she can't trust what it sounds like. She can't hear it. She's proud. <laughs> Catch on quick, don't you? 
What are you doing here tonight? Well, didn't Dora inform you? I've only seen her for a few minutes since she got back. You mean back from town this afternoon? Back from India yesterday. You didn't know that? No. Well, what difference does it make? So she traveled? Yes, she traveled. And when she got back, she sent for me. She ordered me out here tonight, too. What is it you want to explain, Cynthia? Nothing. Why should I? This is her house. It's her money. Father left it all to her, and the courts upheld it. She's a poor, suffering little thing, Mr. Valentine, and you might as well... Oh, it's uh, 8 o'clock, isn't it? Yes, but I think that's the door. I know, but I've got to shut that door, those drums. Hello. Oh, it's you. Can I come in, Cynthia? Of course, Jake. Oh, thanks. Dora wanted me to... I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah, gosh, it sure is a cold night. It's almost as cold as... Hey, is that him? What? (laughs) Oh, no, that's not Everett. You needn't look so tough, darling. This is Jake Mannering, Miss Brooks, Mr. Valentine. Oh, well, hello. I'm sure pleased to meet you. Jake is the next-door neighbor. Uh Uh-huh. Well, who's Everett, Cynthia? Everett? Everett Stone. (laughs) The devil. Oh, great. That doesn't tell me anything. Now, look, Cynthia, there's no need to... He's Mr. Mannering's new competition, isn't he, Jake? No. No, he's not. Just some guy Dora met on the boat coming home, Mr. Valentine, or over there in India. I don't know. Cynthia doesn't know either. She's never met him. Oh, but Dora told you all about him, didn't she? Wasn't that what you were yelling at her for out there after supper? Out there in the dollhouse? So funny, Miss Brooks, the way people forget and raise their voices at a deaf person. Cynthia, I didn't see Dora in the dollhouse, and besides, I don't yell at people. Now, will you please stop I'm all this? I'm sorry, Jake. I, I, I didn't really know what it was. I, I guess I'm awfully tired. Oh, sure, Cynthia. But gosh, you folks must think that What's we're What's the matter, all... Mr. Valentine? Where are you going? Oh, no place particular. Just listening to the drums. You know, that's the same record was playing when we came in here. George. The phonograph up there is just turning them over and over. Dora. Dora. Dora? Her evening clothes are still laid out on the bed, George. Yeah. The maid says she hadn't seen her since lunch. Clothes and the records and everything were just notes. Dora gives all her orders by note. Uh-huh, lunch, huh? Well, around supper time, it was the dollhouse. Okay, let's take a look at that dollhouse. How about that? A perfect little dollhouse right on the river by a waterfall. Oh, the falls upstream a little ways. Oh, here, will you flip your flashlight over? That's a pretty fancy dollhouse. Her father built it for Dora. She likes the rhythm of the water, I guess. She always has. But George, she's not here either. Oh! That's Cynthia. Come on. No, this way, upstream. Oh, Dora. She's drowned. She's been drowned. Okay, I'll call Riley when we get back to the house. Yes, George. Hey, Brooksy. Dora was upstream from the dollhouse, just below the waterfall. So it must have happened farther up someplace, and a body was washed over the fall and then against the bank there. But, Brooksy, I'm positive it happened at least an hour or two ago. Just like I'm positive it wasn't suicide. 
What's that, Mr. Valentine? Um, he, he was just saying... Who else could have been around here a couple of hours ago, Cynthia? Well, anybody with all the woods here. What do you mean? I mean, there was nobody supposed to be here. Except maybe that stone person. Uh-huh, him again. I don't really know, of course. I'm... Hey, wait a minute, hold it, listen. Hello there. Hello, where is everybody? I say, hello. Oh, Mr. Frail. Cynthia, there you are. What on earth's going on out here? Mr. Frail, something How terrible. How do you do, Mr. Frail? My name's Valentine. What's that? Let's uh, both say it together. Who are you? Well, any friend of Dora's is a friend of mine, young man. Cynthia, I'm so sorry I couldn't make it out any earlier, but the traffic... Oh. Valentine, huh? I thought perhaps you were this stone chap. I'm Dora's lawyer, you know. Business investments and those... I say, who's that coming now? That's Jake, isn't it? What on earth is he carrying in that blanket? He's carrying your client, Mr. Frail. Stick around. Maybe you can defend somebody for murder. I don't know why we're here, I tell you. I rather assumed it was to meet this new young man, that's all. Oh, sure. Stone, stone, stone. That's all I hear. But at least you can hear, Mr. Valentine. Life wasn't very easy for Dora, you know, living in the silence, not knowing what people were saying, people trying to take advantage of her. Hey, that's not true, Mr. Frail. Now, see here, Nobody Jake. ever took advantage of her. Nobody ever tried to, not even for her money. She just thought they were. She wouldn't let herself be loved. She was so proud, so afraid of pity. Just because you weren't successful, young she man. She never let herself love anybody. I'm just trying to face it. I don't know who this guy Stone is, but I can't believe it. I'll he... tell you who he is, Mr. Valentine. A fortune hunter, that's all. A smooth-talking fortune hunter. And some man was with her earlier this evening, you said? Cynthia heard a man's voice in the dollhouse, and if it wasn't Jake here, then... You talk too much yourself, Mr. Frail. No, no, I'll go answer that. Hi, Mac. Duncan's residence, ain't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I got a fair looking for it. Oh, wait a minute, who is he? How should I know? Don't ask me. Never mind, never mind. I see now. Yeah, it's the people's choice. Who else? What's this? Here comes the guy who shouts at people, Mr. Frail. The smooth-talking fortune hunter. Now, why didn't I guess? What do you mean? Oh, I should have figured the guy a girl like Dora might have fallen for. Hello, Mr. Everett Stone. Welcome to nothing. <laughs> no point in talking to him, Mac. Yeah, I know, I know. He's deaf and dumb, too, isn't he? Turn to tonight's adventure of George Valentine in just a moment. Now's the time of year when Chevron Supreme gasoline lends a helping hand to your car in more ways than one. Take this business of cold starts, for example. It can be awfully exasperating bearing down the starter with no results. And that means an unnecessary drain on your car's battery, too. Chevron Supreme, a premium quality gasoline, contains special blending agents that assure fast starts in the coldest weather. Not only that, it's climate-tailored to meet the demands of each different altitude and temperature zone in the West. That's why, wherever you drive, Chevron Supreme gives faster starts, smoother pickup in traffic, and ping-free power on hills. In fact, you can't buy a better gasoline for today's high-compression engine. Try a tank full. You'll notice right away how much better your car responds. Ask for Chevron Supreme at standard stations and independent Chevron gas stations where they say... And mean, we take better care of your car.
She was a strange, proud girl, oversensitive about the fact that she couldn't speak or hear. She asked you and several others to keep an urgent evening appointment at her palatial home in the country, Waterfall House. Well, you kept the appointment, but she didn't, because Dora Duncan was dead before any of you arrived. And now the last and strangest of the guests has arrived, the person no one knew and everyone seemed to suspect, until they realized that Everett Stone, Dora's newest boyfriend, a man who lives in the same half-world of silence. I'm watching, Mr. Stone. Write some more. That's who I am, Miss Brooks. A bum, I guess. Until a friend brought her to me there in Calcutta. She was wonderful to me. Maybe because I was even worse off than she... It only happened to me a year ago, my being like this, result of the shock. I guess I was pretty sour until I met her. She was even starting me on learning how to read lips. She was even... Oh, nuts. Go on, Mr. Stone. Keep writing, won't you? I... I loved her. Now, look. Welcome to nothing. I... I know. But did she say anything to you about planning to meet a man out here around supper time at the dollhouse? Oh, here. Meeting man out here. The dollhouse. No. What do you mean? What man? Where is Mr. Valentine? No, no, Riley, I haven't found the place it happened yet. It was out in the woods, up the river. All right, all right. I'll be out there as fast as I can. We'll get some men to help after I get out there. The local doc says she was dead before her lungs filled, so it wasn't drowning, you understand me? Oh, Valentine, how you can always manage to get mixed up in... Now, look, I tell you what you do. Never mind, I know what to do. Find a guy who does exactly what you're doing. Huh? Yells at people, even if they can't hear. Feeling any better, Cynthia? Oh, I've just been crying. I can't help it. Why have you been crying, Cynthia? You didn't like her. She's dressing tonight. That's because I have a suit on. What? She's a poor, suffering little thing, Mr. Valentine. Stop it, stop Cynthia, it. you hated Dora. You made that clear. Mr. Valentine. She ordered you out here tonight, you said. Dora's so beautiful. She's got all the money. She gets all the sympathy. No. She gets all the boys, isn't that it? It's about Jake. You love him. <laughs> Lady, maybe I don't blame you for resenting your sister. You should. You should. She was handicapped. But she wasn't like most people when they're handicapped. She was a little hard to take, maybe. Oh, my trouble is I've always been normal. She didn't want Jake, but she wouldn't let you have him. Only out there in the dollhouse, for some reason, he got mad at her. It was Jake's voice you heard, wasn't it? That was your first impression, and that's who it was. No. No, no. I, I don't know who it was. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're again saying you heard it. Confused, what? aren't you? So either you're protecting the guy, or... Or What? Or you're protecting yourself. Thanks for clearing up the motive, Cynthia. Yours, I mean. Mr. Valentine. 
The question was nice and simple, Mr. Frail. Now, once again, how much money did Dora Duncan have? But really, with the current value of investment... How much? I should say eight or nine hundred thousand. Of course, one can't be sure. Why? Well, it's a stock poser my friend Riley always asks the minute he comes in the door. Money, motive, motive, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just an old cynic. Now, uh, where's this guy, Jake Mannering? I'm uh, here, Lieutenant. I'm sure pleased Save it to... and listen. We ran a check with all the specialists in town, and one of them clicked. Definite improvement after her trip, the doc says. 25% hearing, he called Okay, Riley, so Dora was getting well. And so she ordered a gathering of the clan out here tonight, my friend. Why? Why? Did someone speak out of turn and get her upset? Huh? <laughs> Think about it. Come on, Valentine, let's go. Hold it, Riley. Why? I want to go upstairs. Since and... you started this, let's wind it up. Huh? Oh, Brooksy. Yes, George. Has he finished yet? Just about. It took time to write all the questions. Here. Oh, good. Oh, excuse me, Everett. This is Lieutenant Riley. Uh, Lieutenant Riley. He knows, George. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, uh, how do you do, Everett? Uh, now, let's see. I had to remain in town to see about luggage and so on. Besides, I believe Dora wanted to surprise everyone with the news of our marriage. Wait a minute, what's that? Hey, you mean Everett here? Dora and I had been married by the captain of our ship just after we sailed from India. (laughs) How about that, Riley? Now let's do some guessing about what else she was going to tell at 8 o'clock. So you put a bee in everybody's bonnet. Well, that's all you were doing, Lieutenant. But I didn't try to get a bullet put in somebody's bonnet. Yes, George, don't you see? If Dora was murdered before any of them knew that she was married... Yeah, and you, you pull your smart stunt in a house full of guns. Okay, okay. So Everett here is in danger now. If this does have anything to do with Dora's money, then Everett stands just as much in the way of the killer as she did. You're up against a case with no real clues, Riley. You won't get anywhere unless you force someone's hand. Which what? Those boys I've got upstream haven't even found the place where she was killed yet. They haven't Besides, even found Besides, if there are any bullets aimed at the kid here, I'll get them first. What? Yeah, come on, Everett. Hey, Valentine. Wait, wait, wait You too, Brooksy. We got places to go. The dollhouse, George? Yeah, this thing won't make sense otherwise. Come on in. Here, Everett. Now, look. The starting point's her character. Dora loved this place by the river. She liked the rhythm of the falls. Well, she was unhappy this afternoon, so where else do you think she'd come? But, George, her body was upstream. George, what are you doing? Here, write him a note, Angel. I don't want him to think I'm crazy throwing a wooden tray off the balcony. There it is. See? George, it's going toward the waterfall. Uh Uh-huh. Floating in a circle. But it's moving upstream. It's an eddy, that's all, from the waterfall. I see. Now it's swinging toward the bank. And a body would do that too, wouldn't it? There. It's right where we found her body. Uh-huh. So she was killed here, wasn't she? She was killed and thrown off this balcony. Hey, look at this, Brooksy. Spot on the rug. Blood? And that mark on the railing out there. Well, there are clues. Maybe even fingerprints. The murderer wasn't able oh, to... Oh, he get tried to clean up all right, but he needed time. That back current out there gave it to him. Now, Riley's men are still a mile away, beating the brush. I can run over to the house. No, no, no. Now's the murderer's chance to come out here. And now that he's looking for Everett anyway. What? There's nothing, I guess. I wonder if the kid over there would be game... Here, Everett. Give me the pencil. 
Hey, did you hear that? No. Well, now look, Brooksy. Take the flashlight and get out of here fast. Oh, but Never George, mind I... anything. Get going. Move upstream. Make lots of noise. You're supposed to be all of us. Understand? Come on, now, hurry. Okay, George. Now, take it easy, Everett. It's all right. Oh, your note. Here, I'll write another one. We're the welcoming committee. I've spotted enough evidence in here to hang the murderer. He has to come back to destroy it. Just keep quiet and... What's the matter? What is it, Everett? You, you want the pencil? It will be welcome to nothing, Mr. Valentine. There are, there are guns, guns up, up in, in the, the house. house. Huh? What do you mean? Oh, yeah, he'll be armed, won't he? Well, hey, wait a minute. Dora kept her things down here. She liked to hunt, too, didn't she? Sure. Sure, come on, help me find something. That's it. Well, there's nothing over here, but... Huh? Yeah. Yeah, a rifle. Good, that'll do it. Thanks. Now, you stay down here, Everett, behind the door. That's it, that's good. I'll get back by the balcony. See better from there. Now, don't you worry, kid. It's about over. Funny how it gets in your ears, the rhythm of the waterfall. Gets in your head and you hear nothing else. Hey, listen. No, no, that wasn't anything. She was a lonely girl, Dora. But she was proud, like the waterfall. Wouldn't let herself love anything until you came along. And you were worse off than she was. Wonder what it's like to hear nothing but water falling and drums pounding. Valentine. Valentine, Valentine, huh? Valentine. What was that? No, I don't hear anything. Just the water. Wait a minute, what's that? He's here. He's here. Something outside, I guess. I can't say what it is, but it's Cynthia fun. heard something down here at supper time. A man's voice. The man who killed his sister. Door open? I can't tell. The waterfall makes so much noise. Where is he? I can't hear him. Where is he? I guess you can stop standing in the doorway, Riley, and turn on the lights. Okay. Ah, thanks. Wait. Well, that waterfall does get in the guy's ears. Oh, no. It would have been hard for Cynthia to tell what man's voice she heard down here yelling at Dora. But Dora could hear a little herself, couldn't she? No wonder she was so upset when she came to my office. Wanted a man she could trust to be here tonight. Despite the fact she had a brand new husband. Yeah. That was going to be the 8 o'clock announcement, I guess. She was going to say that she heard a voice. A voice that tonight yelled at her. The poor kid, Riley, was going to expose the biggest heel in the world. Let me out of here. Let me out of here. Take it easy, bud. That's better. That's it. <laughs> the guy who couldn't hear or talk. <laughs> How about this guy, Valentine? Fortune hunting with a new angle. <laughs> no voice. The only thing you should feel bad about is that he almost got away with yeah. it. Yeah. You know, Everett put in a lot of practice for that act. It was going to be worth eight or $900,000, wasn't it? Getting his sympathy, being a husband. And if I hadn't read that note George wrote me the minute I got outside saying to get Lieutenant Riley... He I might have got away with it. Well, I knew the only way to make Everett talk in front of anybody was to scare him into it. Feed him a lot of phony stuff about finding evidence. Like 
coffee stains on the rug. Coffee stains? <laughs> Why, you said... Yeah, Everett actually thought if I'd shoot Jake or Mr. Frail, then there'd be a fall guy. And the evidence would just be a few notes and a post-mortem. He'd be left clear. That's why he was so anxious to give me that rifle. How did you guess, Mr. Valentine? Welcome to nothing. That was a phrase of George's Everett seemed to like. Not much to go on, but... Well, he repeated it in two of his notes. Mm-hmm. And when I gave him that phrase, I spoke it. He was just getting out of a taxi. It was dark. And what really clinched it, your sister had only begun to teach him how to read lips. I... I wonder if Dora really loved him. You mean... If she really loved Jake, don't you? Oh, no. I know that she didn't care for Jake, but... But has Jake got over caring for her? That's the question, huh? Well, um, why don't you answer the door and find out? But I... Go on, Cynthia, go on. Don't stand on ceremony. Yes. I see what you mean. (laughs) George, you're... Well, you are in favor of love, aren't you? Um, Angel, let's sort of put it this way. I think it's here to stay. If you're headed for the snow country or planning any jaunt next weekend, first... Stop at a standard station or at an independent Chevron gas station and ask for a battery check. These friendly station men can give you this protective service in about the same time it takes you to buckle on your skis. They'll make sure the battery's charged, that its water level is ripe, its terminal posts and clamps clean, and they'll inspect those all-important battery cables for signs of corrosion. Remember, a battery in A1 condition helps your car start fast, keeps the lights bright, assures top performance from your car radio and heater. But you don't have to wait for a long trip before asking for this protective service. For your own safety and comfort, wouldn't it be wise to get a battery check tomorrow? Ask for this speedy service at an independent Chevron gas station or at a standard station where they say, and mean, we take better care of your car. Tonight's adventure of George Valentine has been brought to you by Standard Oil Company of California on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations throughout the West. Robert Bailey is starred as George. Let George Do It is written by David Victor and Jackson Gillis and directed by Don Clark. Virginia Gregg appeared as Brooksy, Wally Mayer as Lieutenant Riley. Jeanette Nolan was heard as Cynthia, John Diener as Jake, Ed Begley as Frail, and Tony Barrett as Everett. The music is composed and presented by Eddie Dunstetter. Your announcer, John Heaston. Listen again next week, same time, same station, to Let George Do It. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. That's it for Case Closed for this week. Hope you enjoyed this week's selections. Want to find more from Crime Club? Let George do it. 
Past episodes of Case Closed are thousands of other old-time radio episodes. You can find them all at relicradio.com. You can also support this and all of the shows through the website as well. If you'd like to help support us, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on the link on the website. Your support makes all of this possible. My thanks, as always, to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. Case Closed.